0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have TJ Erickson back on the show. TJ's from Park Rapids, Minnesota. Uh, He's doing great things with his guide service over there, TJ's guide service, as well as his YouTube channel. uh, Very educational stuff. TJ's a very technical angler, and he lives in a really fun part of the world. uh, That Park Rapids, Minnesota area just covered up in all kinds of uh, those Northwood-style lakes. And we're going to talk all about this year so far for TJ uh, over there, the Minnesota uh, the Minnesota walleye bite. He's been producing some great videos on YouTube, and and I've been watching him, just thinking I got to have him on to talk about it. So, we're gonna break down uh, a couple. Of bites uh, that TJ's been going through so far this year. Uh, Very, very timely, very pertinent information for right now and very relatable to so many people. We're going to talk about multiple lakes uh, and multiple situations here. We're going to get some great recommendations from TJ in this interview. Uh, And yeah, every time I get a chance to talk to TJ, he's definitely my kind of guy. He's a pretty nuancy guy. He knows how to break stuff down. He knows how to communicate it uh, so we can all learn from it. Um, and he's definitely an adventurous guy. You're never gonna pin him down to to any one thing for very long. He's definitely the kind of guy that's looking for more experiences, and and he's always, uh, you know, he's he's always doing more than one thing. Got a lot of irons in the fire, and I tell you what, TJ is definitely definitely making an impression. Uh, on the fishing industry here in the Midwest uh, with his guide service and his YouTube content and uh, just a great communicator. So I couldn't be happier uh, to find a little bit of time here from T.J. Erickson on this week's JMO podcast. This episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by Northeast South Dakota's Glacial Lakes region. Head to sdglaciallakes.com for all kinds of information on the fishing opportunities in that area. Link is in the description of this podcast. Let's get into the interview me updated here a little bit before we get too technical man what you been up to yeah absolutely
1: I uh the spring is so crazy you know spring is crazy for everyone but we're wrapping up things with school um I also coach baseball uh for our high school here I'm the assistant coach and that you know just adds a whole nother world it's you know a spring that we had with the snow being late and we had just a pile of games so life got so busy for a stretch and You know, so we just finished up our baseball. So I don't, I actually don't start guiding until after the baseball season, usually just because it's so unpredictable with our games and whatnot. Um, But once baseball, once school got done, now it's just full on guiding, you know, I kind of hit the ground running um, and about as busy, about as busy as I can be on a lot of these weeks running guide trips um, all day, every day kind of thing over here in the Park Rapids area. So yeah, we had a kind of a crazy spring um as far as fishing goes but also a crazy spring just in my life in general so i am very glad to be a little bit out of that crazy and into the craziness of guiding here where we're uh running around all over the place and just getting to spend pretty much all day every day on the water and i am not complaining one bit it's been a been a good change of pace you know and we had a uh, such a crazy spring as far as water temps you know we i don't know what it was like over there but man we had this this crazy warm up and there was so little wind too so we actually last week we two weeks ago maybe we were already into like the upper 70s which is like unheard of for this time of I year mean, we usually get that maybe mid july um, but man so we're kind of back down to normal here too and we'll get into that in just a second but yeah it's it's been a crazy stretch here and i'm very glad to be in into the thick of it here with guiding
0: Oh, yeah. And you're making the YouTube videos, you know, whenever you can. I'm always trying to keep up on that stuff. Super, super good stuff there. Uh, So I definitely like I want to encourage your hustle as a fan. I want to you know, things are getting crazy. You know, don't burn yourself out. Uh, The industry wants to have you around for a long time. So don't get burned out. But man, I respect the hustle. I love I love hearing that you're getting out and you're getting after it. Um, so yeah, like, you know, again, we're going to try to cover a lot of ground in this. We don't have to dilly dally or beat around the bush. I want to get right into it. Um, but I haven't had anybody on from Minnesota yet, like since the opener. So I wouldn't mind if you kind of recapped your fishing exploits and your fishing adventures, you know, is this whole season. Um, I do want to kind of get us up till now and start breaking down some specific things now but let's let's kind of go back, man. How, you know, when when did you kind of get out? What have been some of the interesting things and, and uh, positive things that uh, you've been experiencing so far this Minnesota, you know, open water uh, walleye season?
1: Yeah. And like I said, we we had that crazy warm up stretch. So we had a pretty typical spring other than the late ice. out, it actually mirrored last year quite a bit. Um, super late ice out. So patterns were a little bit behind seeing a lot of fish shallow, shallow, you know, anytime around that rock, that rubble kind of stuff. But then it was, I think it was late May, early June. We just had a crazy stretch. It was like eighties for every day and we were getting lows only in like the sixties. So like I said, our temps spiked around here, we were seeing upper seventies last week, even the week before, and the fish patterns didn't necessarily follow. And obviously, you know, a lot of that was surface temps because we didn't have the wind. And so that's a little bit deceiving, you know, I was getting off the water sometimes either guiding or just out filming a video or whatever it was. And, Oh, what are you getting for water temps? And, you know, Oh, it was 77 today. And people like, Oh man, you know, they must be getting out over that mid lake structure. It's like, well, you know, that's surface temps. We're not talking, the wind hasn't mixed these this water up. Um, this water is so stale right now. It's been hardly a breath of wind for four days. So it can really heat up uh, those water temps very quickly. And that's what we saw. We saw just a lot of high surface temps, you know, right now, we're actually kind of back to some of that normal, you know, I was out yesterday um, guiding and we were in those low 70s. Uh, but with that, we, we did see some interesting patterns here and there. But for the most part, we had a lot of those shallow flats. You know, in our area specifically, we, we have a lot of smaller lakes. You know, we're talking maybe 2,000 acres or something around there. Um and that's that's a lot of what Minnesota is. You know, a lot of times when people think Minnesota, they're thinking the Leech Lake, the Malax, Red Lake, Lake of the Woods, you know, just those walleye factories. Um, and don't get me wrong, those those are awesome lakes. I got to spend a few days over on Leech and just an unreal bite on that lake. Um, but for the vast majority of people, yes, they'll make their trips there, but we we have a lot of people that fish a lot of these more local lakes. And just like how Leech or Malax or Lake of the Woods, how they will fish differently. You know, even our smaller lakes um, can fish differently. So, so much of it depends on the makeup of the lake, but I'm really going to focus, when we talk kind of fishing, talk locations, talk structure, that kind of stuff, I'm going to talk about more of our local, our smaller lakes, um, and which they will follow some general rules, but again, they can vary so much depending on um, the makeup of their lake. So, I don't know if you want me to dive right in into maybe some of these locations, some of these things that we're seeing depending on the lake, or what would you like to go from here?
0: you're, you're, you're in that part of the world, you know, in that part of Minnesota where you do have the variety, you have the, you know, you, you've got the lakes available to you, um, you know that they're just different they fish different and you're kind of a nuancey guy that likes to go and kind of break all those things down so I wouldn't mind if we just kind of plucked it off one by one I would love to just hear about you know even just specifically some of your outings you know and just kind of describing the lake and the situation I think that we could all learn a whole bunch if we just listen to some of your fishing stories you know from this year and just breaking down kind of you know what the lakes you have looked like that you've been fishing on and and some of the situations. Situations where you feel like you figured something out or what it took to figure some things out. But this is like for anybody anywhere in Minnesota has a lake probably similar to something we're going to talk about you know, within driving distance, it probably relates to so many people and whatever their home lake is. And, uh, you know, so I just feel like, yeah, a discussion like this talking about, you know, those just, you know, down the gravel road type of lakes, um, I think would just be excellent, man. So we can start wherever you want to start, but that's kind of the vibe that I'm looking for is let's just hear about some of your fishing stories and just the things that have been interesting to you. And we'll just kind of break it down, you know, as we go.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll kind of start with, Where we were, what kind of we're just getting out of as far as bite goes, um, you know, kind of what we saw a little bit of a transition within the last week or so, you know, a week ago, we were still focusing a lot on that shallow water, you know, even less than 10 feet. The water temps maybe said like, oh, we need to be start fishing deeper, but the fish just weren't out there yet. Um, So we were still fishing 10 feet, you know, those shallow flats are always key this time of year. Um, you know, some they can be cruising some of those sandy flats where they're just out roaming, and it's maybe nothing holding them. And you just got to find, and that's where a lot of electronics really play a big part in that. Just find those schools of fish and cast on them, or you know, that's you can be a classic trolling bite too, where you'll troll over these big flats. And um, a lot of thing too is when you can find some of that shallow structure you know, maybe it's some rock or rubble, that's a classic early season area to target or some of these weeds now with some of the sun and that those are starting to show up. So when you're seeing some of those emerging reed weeds on some of that shallow stuff, that is what's going to kind of hold those fish. And that pattern is there, whether they're in 10 feet of water or they're in 25 feet of water, you know, anytime there's something to hold fish. And so that's kind of the bite that we're just getting out of that shallow, less than 10 feet, Big shallow flats is key right uh, early in the year. And now we're kind of transitioning into our current patterns and kind of what I'm seeing right now, um, been out every day for the last, I don't know how many days here. And the pattern that we're seeing right now, it's, it's really fun. This is honestly one of my favorite times of year to fish because these fish are starting to slide out a little bit deeper. You know, a lot of times you're seeing less than 10 feet. Now we're maybe seeing that 10 to 15 feet. i um, sometimes out a little bit deeper, obviously, depending on the lake, but they're deep enough to see on electronics. Um, for me, I'm an electronics junkie. I love my live scope. I love live imaging, side imaging. All of that is just so cool. You really just get a clear picture of kind of what's going down um, underneath the water. And so they're starting to get deep enough to see I love seeing these schools of fish on the electronics And But one of my favorite things, and I was just talking to my clients I had yesterday, is like, this is such a fun time of year because you still have – your big fish mixed in with some of your smaller fish. And, you know, that, that can happen obviously throughout the whole year, but now more than ever is a great time. You can go out and you can get your eaters and you can also go out and you can catch some of your big fish. And, you know, as the year progresses, what we see is a lot of those bigger fish, they'll start cruising over that basin a little bit more. They'll start cruising over that deeper water, chasing some of those Cisco's. I was actually just listening to the episode you had with Gord Pizer the other day. Um, And, you know, he was talking about that big cisco bite and those big swim baits and, um, but right now we're still seeing some of those bigger fish up shallow in some of those same areas with those smaller fish. So it's just a ton of fun. And one of the things that's been really cool lately uh is with the live scope, you can really start to differentiate what these fish are doing. So for example, I was just out um the video that I'm editing right now, I had a trip that got postponed. They wanted to move it to July. So I was like, sweet, I'm gonna take the morning, I'm gonna go film a video. So we went out, got to the first spot, and all it was it was just a shoreline break and there was some weeds and some rocks there and that was what was holding these fish so I'm panning around with my live scope and I see of a group about six or eight fish and I was like oh awesome there's a little school of fish right there and as I keep panning then I see a group of two and these look much bigger and just from the experience that I've had with the live scope these both of these groups of fish were not far from each other but they weren't necessarily together so I, I look over and I see this group of six or eight and I was like okay there's more fish there but I look over here and these fish from what I've seen what I know is these bigger fish will sometimes hang out by themselves or maybe in a pair, maybe a group of three. Um, and so it's like, my first cast, I'm going to go for those bigger fish. And you know, obviously there was more fish in this other group. So I cast out one of the fish actually started swimming towards the boat, even before I could cast. Um, but I cast out my very first cast, uh, drop shot and a nightcrawler. And I'm working that. And all of a sudden I can see this big fish go down for it, follows it, follows it, takes it up right away, 27 and a half inch walleye, you know? And so it's just so cool to see like, some of those things that I've been learning with this live scope is like, okay, these big fish will be around the same areas, but they aren't going to be necessarily mixed in with that big school. So being able to tell, like, typically your eater-sized fish, when you're talking electronics specifically, live scope, um, you're seeing these eater-sized fish more schooled up. You're seeing groups of six, groups of fifteen, groups of twenty, and well, there can be some of those bigger fish mixed in. Generally, what you see is you see these bigger fish that are off by themselves a little more. They're still in the same area, like I said, with this some of this areas that they're hanging out this time of year. They're all together, but they're a little bit separated as well. So it's just a super fun bite right now. For example, yesterday I was out guiding this group, and um, we got to this one area that's very similar to what I just talked about: is a shoreline break, some weeds, and some rocks. Some of those weeds are starting to come in through those rocks, and it's just that's just a sweet spot for these walleye right now. Um, and we were catching you know, we caught a 20, a 23, a 25, we caught some of those bigger fish and they caught a handful of eaters as well, right off that same spot. And, you know, I didn't have the live scope seeing every single fish, but I can imagine that you have those, those eater sized fish schooled up and some of those bigger fish, even though they're on the same structure, they're a little bit more on the singles or by themselves, or maybe with a pair. So that's, that's just one of the kind of uh, things that I've picked up on over these last couple of years using live scope that I think, you know, people, even if they don't have electronics, that's, something that can be so interesting and something that it just really helps all of us learn what these fish are doing. Um, because it is, it is a really fun time of year right now. And, uh, I'll I'll kind of dive into some of the actually locations a little bit more in detail here and kind of locations. As we've talked about, It so much depends on the lake, you know, around the park rapids area, we have so many different lakes within 20 minutes. You know, we have some lakes that, um, are sandy and they are maybe cruising some of these sand flats or off the edges of some of these humps or these points uh you have some lakes that fish more like weed edge they have these big weed flats and these fish are hanging out right on that weed edge right now you have another lake that's super rocky and so now these fish are starting to hang out around some of these rocks um so we have all these different lakes which is so fun it can just keep you on your toes um but hopefully i can touch on a little bit of all of these so depending on who's listening they might have a lake in mind of like oh no that one's the one that my lake fishes like you know so that way everybody can get a little something out of it because honestly even within our area here i think can really hit a lot of these typical minnesota lakes you know And, and when i kind of break these lakes down i like to break them into kind of your two different types of lakes um one of them is like your deep clear lake minnesota has a ton of those Deep, clear lakes, there's a ton of structure on them. Um, Another one that we have a lot of in the area is maybe a little bit shallower lakes, a little bit more stained lakes. So I'm going to kind of break it down into maybe those two uh, just to be a little bit more helpful. I'll kind of talk about some of the intricacies with each one. Um, But first, with these kind of shallower, these stained lakes, um, a lot of times these lakes aren't necessarily super complex, there are these lakes that get going really good this time of year. And then you get to kind of mid July and people can start struggling on them. Um, But this time of year, if you're like somebody that, Hey, I don't have a lot of electronics. I don't, I don't really, you know, I just go up for a day. These are awesome lakes right now because what we're seeing is these break lines, these first break lines, and sometimes it can be literally all around the lake. These first break lines, maybe, you know, it's a shallow flat. That's at like five feet and then it drops off to about 20, 25 feet, whatever it might be. Um, Being able to work those brake lines, these are perfect trolling. Whether you're trolling crankbaits, you're trolling a Lindy rig, these are perfect for that. And we're seeing a lot um, in that 10 to 15-foot range, similar to even some of those bigger, deeper lakes. Uh, But we're seeing a lot of that 10 to 15-foot range. So if you're going out, you're like, okay, I have this kind of just bowl. You know, you get a lot of these mud bowls. Maybe it only gets 20 feet deep in the lake, and that's the deepest part. Um, But really, you can go out, and you can follow, you know, 15 feet or maybe your weed edge is at like 12 feet. You know, sometimes the weed edge later in the summer might be out 18, but right now it's up in 12. And we're, we're seeing a ton of these fish. You know, there's bait cruising around in these weeds. There's oxygen because these weeds are starting to green up. There's a ton of bait. And that really brings these schools of fish cruising these weed edges, looking to feed, looking for shade, looking for that oxygen. Um, and as these water temps continue to rise, we're going to see them moving out a little bit deeper. So these shallow stained lakes right now, if you're going out, it's awesome to be able to go out, take a little bit of time, see where these drop-offs are, see where these break lines are, because these t- lakes typically have kind of a pronounced break line, and that's just a really easy way to say like, oh, well, TJ, you have, you have your live scope. You have this. Yeah, sure. It must be easy for you, um, but I have a lot of clients that, that they want to go out with me so they can learn a little bit, but then they want to be able to duplicate what we're doing, and I said, here's what I would do. You know, you go out, you find these break lines, maybe this weed edge is at 13 feet, Find that, and you control Lindy rig, and just keep trolling around that break line. And if you get a bite, that might be where a group of fish is. So I would stop, and then I would throw, I would cast out a jig and a minnow, or a slip bobber, or a drop shot, or something like that. And you might be able to catch a few more. If not, keep moving. And that's just a really awesome bite right now, especially um, for a lot of people that say, "Hey, I might be a little more of a novice angler. I'm just trying to learn this thing out." Um, those are great lakes and great bites to get on right now so that's some of your shallower a little bit more stained lakes um, and yeah those those are on a really good bite right now and as it progresses it might start dying off a little bit um, but I highly recommend if that's something that you're looking into get into where you're like I ah, do you, you I only have a day to get out and you have a lake like that in your area I would highly recommend checking that out instead of maybe going to a lake that's a little bigger has a ton of structure in just like I don't even know where to start um, so those shallower stained lakes right now are awesome bite especially if you're a little bit newer or not really sure where to head and then as we kind of progress into a little bit more of the complex lakes you know these deep clear lakes and these are honestly some of my favorite lakes to fish because there's so many different bites going on you know a lot of times these are your little bit bigger lakes too so your populations of fish are a little bit higher but there's so many different bites going on and you know when I'm guiding a lot of times I have 20 30 spots where I know where there's going to be fish there might not be fish every single day on every single spot. But if they're on 10 today, they may be on 10 tomorrow. And, but there are these similar type of structure, similar type of patterns that are happening right now. Um, and you know, one of the bites that's going on right now on these deep clear laces is actually very similar to the kind of shallower stain lakes. And that's just kind of that break line bite, that weed edge bite. And, um, and actually in the video that I'm editing right now, uh, one of the things that I, I did is I was just, working this typical book brake line, you know, and this is kind of your brake line that most people will lindy rig, you know, so they'll drag a rig and they'll catch one fish here, one fish there. And you know, one of my things with fishing is I always want to be as efficient as possible. So what I did instead of actually dragging a lindy rig, I actually just drove, I kind of drove, you know, at about three, four five miles an hour. I drove with my live scope in the water and I just had it facing in front of me. Um, I was coupling that with my side imaging. So I was just driving on these brake lines and it often what i would see when i would see groups of fish i would see a combination of rocks and weeds so i was just driving on you know it's kind of these spot on the spots so they're traditionally you know you see like a brake line and you're just trolling that with your Lindy rig and you might not really know what's going on but now with our electronics we're learning a lot about these lakes so now it's like oh yeah we typically caught one you know by that tree or i had a waypoint like oh yeah we always seem to catch one near that waypoint now with our electronics with the side imaging with your aqua views you know with your underwater cameras with um, live imaging, you're starting to be able to break down exactly what's going on down there. Like, Oh, these are some bigger boulders and there's some weeds growing up within. That was one of the bites that I was on yesterday. Um, it was rocks and you could, I dropped the camera down and you could see these green weeds just starting to show up and there's tons of bait around and these fish were hanging tight to that. So, you know, in the past, what might be, take a little bit longer to break down. You can be a lot more efficient by breaking down these kind of spots on the spots. Yes. It's on the break line. And you might not see anything on the map per se, but being able to really pinpoint where those rocks and those weeds are combined. Now you can slip bob or drop shot, jig and minnow, and you can get on the same group of fish and you can cast them multiple times where, you know, if you're trolling, you might only catch one fish out of them because all oh, you're through them and gone where when you sit on them for a little while, and if you do it the right way, without spooking them, stay off of them, you can pull three, four, five, six fish out of that group as opposed to just one. Um, so it's a really efficient way to fish right now. Uh, but that's one of the bites that's kind of like this, your typical break line bite. Um, but again, out in, starting to get a little deeper into that 10 to 15 feet. And then one of the bites that I probably am enjoying the most right now is any of that shoreline structure. Again, what I like to do, is I like to take um, I have Humminbird for my mapping, and I so take take my high, um, highlight contour, and I will highlight you know maybe ten to fifteen feet right now, and then that shows up as green. So then I go on my map and I look anywhere on my map that's a shoreline structure that is like ten to fifteen feet, and if there's like a little bit of a point that sticks out or a little bit of a flat that sticks out, usually there's a reason for that. Usually there's rocks. Usually there's weeds. Usually there's something. But I like to see anywhere 10 to 15 feet and that's at the top of it. You know, you might have some stuff that is a break line 10 to 15 feet. Um, But for example, right now I look for these areas that have a little bit more surface area on that 10 to 15 foot range. Maybe it's a point that tops out at 12 feet. That's an awesome spot to check right now. And so what I do is I go off that and when I see these spots that are kind of highlighted as green in that depth range, I'll go over to them. I'll scan them with my live scope and, you know if you don't have live image, if you don't have some of these electronics you can still go and find those spots and cast them you know just kind of fan cast them and you might not be able to work it as as efficiently but you're going to be able to tell if there's some fish around or not and so um some of these points some of these flats that stick out into the lake that are in kind of that mid-range uh depth right now um is, is just prime because there's something holding these fish. I'm a big structure fisherman, and all my videos I talk about that. I love fishing structure. You know, there's a time and place for fishing some of these shallow flats or using electronics to find some of these fish. Um, but structure is just—it's such a cool spot, uh, cool thing to fish because these fish are around it and they hang around it for a reason. And sometimes you'll fish it and they'll spook. Um, one of the things we've been seeing with live imaging a lot lately is I was actually out with this with this group yesterday, and. Big group of fish. There's probably about 20 fish. We cast it into them um, with a slip bobber, caught one right away. And all of a sudden, that group kind of dispersed. You know, they actually, half of them started following that fish, almost like, you you know, you hear with smallies. Smallies will follow each other. And these walleyes started following each other. So then they kind of dispersed for a little bit. And they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe we should move on. And I, and I said, nope. honestly, these fish will, will likely come back. It might take a little bit, but there's a reason they're hanging around this structure. And so it took a little bit. They kind of dispersed, but then they pretty soon they came back and were able to catch a few more. Um, and so having that structure is just really reassuring because there's something that they're hanging on. You know, when we're fishing them on these flats, that can be hard, especially if you don't have electronics, um, because you can't see where these fish are moving. You might catch one there and you might keep casting and like, Oh, nothing there anymore where you see on the live scope. Now they've moved 90 feet down, um, just a little bit different spot on the flat. Um, so some of these shoreline structures are really key right now. And honestly, another thing that Is overlooked this time of year But we've caught quite a few fish already Both personally and on my trips Is fishing some mid-lake structure And when I'm talking mid-lake structure I'm not talking like Okay, this is a 25-foot hump That's just a small rocky hump That might be like a good July or August spot You know, we're not talking that When I'm talking mid-lake structure I'm talking some of these lakes That might have these big rocky humps Or typically something that's a little bit shallower I'm talking topping out in 5 to 10 feet And then we have some break lines off of that, but you want something shallow because those fish will treat those, especially if they're big, they will treat those big, shallow mid lake structure, just like they would the shoreline, you know, that heats up quicker. So you're seeing a lot of those same tendencies. And so, for example, one of the spots that we caught a bunch of fish yesterday on my guide trip, there was a big, expansive, shallow, I think it was at five feet up at the top and what you would see is there was a little bit of a point off of the point. So it topped out 12 feet. So we went over to that. We weren't up on top on this big hump, but th- that's where those fish were early in the year. Now they slid off a little bit and are hanging around this underwater point that's sticking off of it. So, you know, a lot of people avoid the mid lake structure this time of year because oh nope, everything's shoreline, you know, we work shallow and then go out deeper. Um, we don't touch mid lake stuff till, you know, at least July. And, when you have some of these bigger areas, some of these bigger shallow rocky or um, shallow sandy flats, those fish will be there. Even and some of those fish will even spawn up on top of there. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that doesn't get hit hard, which is something that I love. You know, even a lot of our local lakes, they're not getting hit like they like a leech or a malax. They're not getting hit by lots of boats every. Um, every day, but there's still some of these areas that are not getting hit hardly at all. So they're really kind of an untouched group of fish for the most part, if you can find them. Um, so, yeah, that's some of the patterns that we're going through. I just threw a ton of stuff out there, you oh. know.
0: The fishing opportunities in northeast South Dakota's Glacial Lakes region are phenomenal. You've heard us talk about it on the JMO podcast before. It's a multi-species destination. We're not just talking walleyes or perch in the wintertime. uh, There's phenomenal pan fishing. There's uh, fantastic bass fishing. There's muskies and big northern pike. Everything's there. With hundreds of lakes and a bunch of communities that offer all kinds of fun events and lodging. For information on this area and the fishing opportunities here, head to sdglaciallakes.com. You'll see the link is in the description of this podcast on there. You're going to find all the resources that you need to research. Or if you feel like you're already familiar with the fishing opportunities there and you already plan your annual trip, if you're not checking out this website and the information on it, then you're leaving some on the table. Head to sdglaciallakes.com. You're going to find the lodging opportunity you're going to see maps of the area you click on the fishing tab it's going to showcase some of the great fishing opportunities in that area from there you can look up the local guide services or the bait shops that's where you're going to find the real-time fishing reports that you need when you're looking ahead and planning on one of these trips so again if you want to plan your next fishing adventure consider northeast south dakota's glacial lakes region head to sdglaciallakes.com for all that great information the link is in the description of this podcast Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a bunch of notes. Uh, I mean, I've got a ton of questions here from everything that you've just said, but do you feel like, you know, as far as opportunity for maybe bigger fish, uh, do you feel like there's a pattern there on those types of lakes? Do you feel like those shallower lakes have the same kind of big fish potential as some of those deeper clear lakes or, you know, like, cause they set up totally different. Sometimes the, you know, the, the forage bases are totally different and how they set up water temps, like, like this time of year, what's your favorite, favorite?
1: Yeah. And I think you kind of hit on it there too, when you're talking about the forage base and I love these deep clear bodies. I mean, you can get big fish on any lake. I mean, everybody knows that, but I like these deep clear lakes specifically because a lot of the lakes that we have in our area have, you know, Cisco and just referring to your interview with Gord Pizer. And it was just like these big Cisco's are such a good forage base for getting these big fish, you know? And so we, we see a lot more, I should say, percentage maybe of bigger fish in some of these bigger lakes. Um, but these deep, clear lakes—they're challenging. They are not easy. I mean, I a lot of my clients are either people that have lived on the lake or stay on a lake at a resort or whatever it is. And a lot of the a lot of the comments that I get is like, "Oh, we used to catch fish like crazy out here, and now we can hardly catch anything." Or, "Hey, we've been fishing this all week, and we have not been able to find." fish and you know some of these lakes especially with these clear bodies of water that these fish can get spooky it can be it can be challenging um and you know one of my favorite things to do is to be able to take clients out maybe on a lake that they have struggled with or they used to be able to catch them and they can't anymore or whatever it might be and be able to go out and show them how to catch some walleyes you know you might think oh that's that's pretty arrogant of you like oh yeah, yeah. but for me honestly it's it's so exciting to give them some hope because some of these people have kind of given up they're like ah I can't find fish. They, there must be no fish left or whatever it is. And they just don't have any hope left. They they're kind of getting done with fishing that lake. Wow. We're going to go to different lake, And then we go out and we try some of these things and they might not be able to do the exact same thing. So they might, might not have some of the live imaging or they might not have some of the same um, trolling motor, whatever it is, but the fact that they can go out and have some success, specifically catching walleyes is so exciting because then you just see that kind of glimmer, you know, show up in them again of like, Wow, this we can do this. Like we can actually catch some fish on here again. So being able to give people that experience is is just super cool in my opinion. One of my favorite things about guiding. And then, you know, I get some texts of some pictures. Hey, we did what we what you did. You know, we weren't able to do it quite the same, but we're used what we we learned from you. And hey, here's a fish that we caught. And I was like, oh, you know, that just that makes me so excited because it's so much bigger than just our one, you know, half day, full day, whatever the trip is. So much bigger than that. You know, it's about giving people experience, giving people memories, and Teaching them and teaching them how to do things, and not only that, but I don't know how many clients that I've learned from. You know, I'm I'm definitely not a a know-it-all of everything. You know, so many times on these trips, people say like, "Well, we did this one time," and I said, "Oh yeah, that totally makes sense." There was one story where this we were working um, a drop shot, and I was talking talking to this kid about, "Hey, you know, here's kind of how you work it," and he was just casting it out, it wasn't even letting hit bottom, just kind of reeling it in. And I was like, "Well, you know, you want to let it," but so I was explaining this to him, and then he catches three walleyes in a row doing it, and I'm like, "You know what? I'm used." you do what you're doing, man. It's working. (laughs) So it it is really cool. But yeah, going back to your question, I, I like the deep clear lakes. um, One, because of the size structure is there. And two, there's, you know, some of those smaller lakes, if the bite's not going on that specific thing, that might be the only bite that's there where there's not a weed edge bite going on a specific lake, but I know, Hey, maybe there's some rocks that I can go try. We can go try that. We can go try um, a break line. We can go try a little bit of everything um, which kind of keeps me interested and keeps me, going i guess if you could say on, on some of those bigger bodies of water
0: yeah yeah they're a little bit more nuanced yeah i feel like that's a good point to make because you know i think anymore um i've said it before you know i think the modern day angler is looking for new experiences you know if you grew up fishing one lake you know with your grandpa or your dad or you know family member mentor your whole life i think anymore you know People that are listening to podcasts like this or watching YouTube channels like yours, it's like, you know, we're trying to learn about fishing so that we can, you know, go attack a new lake and try to have success. I think that that's such a fun, rewarding thing to do. And there's no doubt that, you know... it, it at being a little more reflective, self-aware of kind of like where you've come from. If you come from fishing a certain type of lake, you know, going to a different lake, those deeper, clear Minnesota lakes that have all that structure are definitely nuancey They kind of come with an owner's manual, which is, you know, exactly what we're talking about. Is like just be prepared to, you know, have every single setup that you might have in your tackle box, have one rigged up. And be prepared to maybe do a little bit of everything. The way, maybe it's the way the spot sets up. There might be an efficiency to the drop shot, you know, just a, a delivery system for live bait that isn't trolling necessarily, and getting the bait away from the boat. You know, that can be like a huge factor. But that being said, I do I have some notes written down. I'm going way back here um, to like some of the first stuff you said because I just I couldn't get it out of my mind. I've never you, you talked about a trip earlier this year. You're doing some drop shotting drop shotting a night crawler. Mhm. How do you rig your night crawler drop shot? This might end up being the simplest answer of all time, but I've never drop shotted a night crawler and I feel like I mean a night crawler, a full night crawler, just tell me what your drop shot setup is when you think you're going to be yeah. rigging crawlers versus leeches versus soft plastics.
1: For me, it's all the same setup as far as what you're using. Um, you know, you have your drop shot weight and so a couple things with the drop shot this is something that i've absolutely loved and you know we started doing this a handful of years ago i had actually just got done fishing uh bass fishing with a guy and we were drop shotting for bass i was like oh this is cool and so me and my my buddy were fishing walleye lead, and we we're seeing these fish in the weeds and we're like we we're throwing swim bass we we're throwing all sorts and we like we cannot get these things to bite we we're doing slip bobbers. i was like how are we gonna so what we actually did is we went to the area that we knew were holding fish and we actually pulled a weed out to see the length of it. And so this particular, it was like 24 inches. So we actually made our drop shot dropper. So like the distance from our hook to our weight, we made it about the same cause we wanted it right at kind of the tops of the weeds. And so we started doing that and we started catching fish and it was like a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, Whoa. Um, but it's now I use it for almost everything. Um, and so what I like, I have your drop shot weight and then I do um, a, I do a little bit lighter um, when talking about material a line. So I'll, I'll kind of start at the other I'll typically run it on a braid um, and I will run on like an eight pound test braid, something thin, something that's really more finessey and then I have typically like an eight or ten pound fluorocarbon leader that goes to my hook. And so there's a lot of different razor under drop shots. I like the VMC spin shot hooks. You know, I, I have tried using just a single octopus hook and, you know, doing a polymer knot and using your lead like that. I've had some success with that, but I like these VMC spin shots better. One because it can spin, um, and two because it can—it always sits vertical. You know, sometimes with your palm or knots, it can sit a little bit cockeyed or whatever. Um, but then I actually run a little bit lighter, so then I'll go like four or six pound tests down to my weight. And the reason for that is, you know, when we're fishing some of these rocky areas, if I want if I get stuck in the in the rocks, I want my bottom to break before the top because I would rather just replace the weight or the bottom than I would replace everything so that's one of the little things um, but sorry got on a little bit of a tangent there I oh, that's talk awesome that's for a perfect time but when we're talking crawlers um, I use it the same way as I do leeches plastics anything and honestly I rig a full crawler and a lot of people really kind of struggle and I just do it right through the very like head of the crawler and a lot of people struggle with that because they maybe they're used to fishing panfish growing up or whatever, and they you just want this tiny little chunk because they're going to bite off the tail of it or whatever. And I would say there are times where the walleyes are super finicky and they'll sometimes bite off the tail or whatever. Um, but for the vast majority of the time, you rarely have issues with it. With um, these walleyes, you're going to eat a crawler. They're going to eat the whole thing. And so people see this and there's this tiny little, you know, the first quarter inch is the hook going through. And then there's like, four or five, six inches of this crawler hanging back. And they're looking and they're like, how is this going to work? And then we start pitching it out and it's amazing. Um, these fish will just, they'll chomp it. And for example, I had another trip uh, last year. This was a little bit later. This is probably July or August. And so we were fishing some fish out in about 25 feet of water. They're on this kind of flat and we we're, there's a school of fish. We we're just getting ready to cast to them. And all of a sudden I see a big mark, seven feet underneath the boat. And I was like, Drop down right now. Quick, quick, quick. You know, and this guy was like, what? I was like, just drop down. So we see his bait drop down. Okay, stop right there. So he stops it. So this is drop shot and crawler. And this is literally in the middle of nowhere, just out over the depth. And sure enough, bites it right away. 27-inch walleye. Seven feet underneath the boat and 25 feet of water. And that's just honestly a somewhat consistent pattern. I do that a lot, even with drop shots, because I see that kind of bare hook just looks like a crawler, you know, to swimming through the water. I'll even cast these out sometime with a little bit lighter. And again, this is going on a little bit of a tangent, but seeing these fish out suspended, these fish will be, you know, for example, that fish, that 27 and a half inch that I caught um, the first cast of the day in my video, it was actually, it was probably in like 12 feet of water, but it was halfway down. It was probably six feet down. And if you can get that somewhat close to them, they will follow that all the way down. Sometimes those suspended fish, I'll use a slip bobber so it can be a little bit more in their face. But if I can make a good cast and get it close to them, they will follow that down all the way. So yeah, drop shots, um, super cool technique. And it's a very easy thing for people to use because you know that you're always in that strike zone. You know, you're, you can feel the weight on bottom and you know your weight or your uh, bait is in the strike zone. If you get hooked up in some weeds that are on bottom, whatever, it's not a big deal because you're, your hook and your bait is still clear. So drop shotting is something that I do a ton with clients, drop shots and slip bobbers, especially with the electronics that I have now, you know, being able to pitch at groups of fish, drop shots and slip bobbers are kind of a, something that I always have in my boat.
0: Yeah. 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 I was going to ask you that, like, you know, like this time of year or any time of year, like, you know, having a bunch of stuff rigged up, um, uh, like if you had to narrow it down to like, say Three presentations for this time of year, like, yeah, what would you say?
1: Absolutely, and if you'd have asked me this two years ago, my answer would be very different than it is today. Um, and truthfully, live imaging has changed the way that I fish a ton. I used to do a ton of trolling, like Lindy rigs, you know, and I still do some of that, but I will say 95% of the time, um, I will have this set up for my personal fishing and also for guiding, and I have four different things set up. And in my boat every single time I'm out. One um, is that we talk about a drop shot and that's awesome because it can be literally any time of year. It can be shallow it can be deep, um, but drop shot is a super effective way. We just went through a bunch of the details on that. Um, another thing that I have tied up a ton of time, so you know your drop shot, that's fish that are maybe going to be a little bit closer to the bottom, maybe they're hanging up towards this specific type of structure, um, maybe they're in the weeds, whatever it might be. Another thing that I have tied up all the time is a slip bobber um, and you know i actually had a group out last what day was it last thursday and we were going out and they uh i was talking to them about you know here's what we're gonna be trying we're be talking a little bit about shots, a little bit about slip bobbers and the, the one kid admitted to me after the trip he's like when i was on the phone with you and you told me slip bobbers like all i imagined is sitting staring at a slip bobber with my grandpa for hours and not catching anything and yeah. i was about to say we're gonna skip this you know and uh but slip bobber with the, with live imaging and you see a lot of the guys on the nwt and a lot of pros doing that of slip bobber fishing for uh with the live scope or with your live imaging and it's such an effective way because one thing that you'll notice um if you either watch any some of my videos or some of the videos that people use live scope or you use live scope yourself is walleye suspend a lot more than people think. Um, you know typically you're thinking walleye's are right towards the bottom but a lot of times there's a bite coming up here it should start within the next couple weeks where these big schools of walleyes, they'll be around the structure, but they will be off of it a little bit. So you're not going to be able to hit them with a lindy rig. Say they'll be down over 20 feet of water, but they'll be 12 feet underneath the surface. They'll be 15, 10 feet, whatever it might be. And they're still in these big schools. And so being able to have a slip bobber to set the correct depth um, on these fish is crucial. And, you know, when I use a slip bobber, a lot of times I have used a single hook at times, um, but my favorite is just a small short shank jig, and I have my leader going up to a swivel. And then I have my braid as my main line. And I like the Phil wobble bobbers. Those have been the best bobbers. But, um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is I like any of those brass inserts. Um, and was that – did you guys have Max Wilson on the other day? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And he yeah, was it was talking like a month about ago or bobbers. something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yep. So he was talking slip bobbers, and I, I echo a lot of the same things. You know, you want something with a brass insert so it can slide in through um, nicely. And I, I use a thread for the bobber stop um, because that seems to be the thinnest and go through the eyelets the best. Um, but that's kind of – I always have a drop. So I have a drop shot. I have a slip bobber. Another one that just I cannot get away from is a jig and a minnow. Um, you know, it's just classic for any time of year. You can pitch it. You can drag it. You control it. You can do pretty much anything you want. You can put plastics on it. But I always have a jig tied on. And, you know, typically that early season bite is always your minnow bite and people kind of shy away from minnows towards even starting to be this time of year. But, um, one of my buddies, his name is Bob and we fish together a ton. We've done a few videos together and he's just a very good fisherman. I've learned a lot from him. And he told me early on, he's like, I always have a jig and minnow. And I was like, Hmm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know, that's just must be how you like to fish. And then I've been with him so many times, whether it's on on league or we're just out fishing. And I wouldn't even think about bringing a minnow because it's whatever time of year. And he worked in this group of fish, and we've caught a couple, and they're kind of turned off. And then he throws out a jig and minnow, and he catches fish. And so that is something that ever since then I've just – I will always have a jig and minnow tied on because it's such an effective bait. And it can – you can be fished in so many different circumstances, you know. But then you can throw big swim baits on it. You can throw a lot of different things on those jigs. And so those are three of the ones that I will pretty much always have tied on. Um, you know, I used to always have a Lindy rig tied on, but honestly, I don't use Lindy rigs a whole lot anymore. Ever since fly school, if there's certain lakes that I will still do it, then there's certain bites where it's just, that's the best tactic, no matter what Lindy rigs or even spinners, you know, burning crawlers over tops of the weeds or whatever it is. Um, but the fourth one that I, if I'm personally fishing, I don't do this a lot with clients, but if I'm personally finishing, I never, um, I always have a jig and wrap in my boat. Um, that is. My confidence bait, if I had to pick one bait in the summertime where I'm going to go catch fish, it doesn't matter the time of year. It could be early in the year. Um, you know, a lot of times people don't like using some of those glide baits till later in the year, but I will use it 100% of the time of the year. And typically, I kind of do it almost in that order. If I'm working through a pot of fish, I'll start with maybe like a slip bobber, or a drop shot, something a little more finesse. Um, because one thing you'll notice with jigging wraps is, or any of those reaction style baits, they can spook fish so easily. They can trigger fish to bite so quickly. Like a lot of times it's gonna be on your first cast. You're gonna get a bite. Um, but I used to start with a jig and wrap and I would see these groups of fish and not in the live scope, but I would rip through them and I would catch one, but then that whole group would disappear because they would be so spooked from this thing just ripping around down there. So I'll save that one till the end. So I'll go slip bobber, drop shot, jig and minnow, kind of work through these fish, trying to get reach, crawler, a little bit of everything, trying to just pick through them as finesse and as precise as possible to maximize the amount of fish we catch out of that group. Um, and then b- right before I leave, I throw one or two casts of the jig and wrap. And very often I will catch one or two more fish on that because those fish have seen all those baits. They looked at it. They would come up and go down, come up and go down, look at all the other baits. But this one, just ripping it through there. And you can actually do the same thing with the jigging or jigging plastic, do a little more snap jigging. But being able to have that jigging wrap down there to try to kind of almost back clean up, you know, where it's like, okay, they don't want anything else. They're not going to eat. We're going to see if we can get them to react. And uh so I'll almost always when I leave a group of fish, I'll throw out the jig and wrap for one last cast or two. And very often you'll catch one or two more fish, but then sometimes that group will scatter. So that's that's for the fit for the um uh, base that I almost always have tied on. And again, like I said, I will have a Lindy rig tied on um as well, but definitely a little bit more of that kind of spot and stock and kind of pitch at these fish as they we're as we're kind of keeping them away from the boat.
0: Oh man, i I I can absolutely like think about myself uh, in the last couple of years. Um, you know, even without like you said, like this is great information. Even if you don't have forward sonar, I think mapping is probably, you know, just you know, like the more important thing here. If you can get really good at finding those little spots on the spot, and then maybe go out on the lake, and when you drive around. You know, even with just 2D driving over spots and just seeing where putting waypoints where the rocks are or where the special spot is, so that you can kind of you know build that picture up, so that you have these spots kind of figured out even without that forward sonar. But one thing you said that is definitely big one for me is that you know early on in the day, I'll create confidence or or I'll just kind of have you know my confidence bait on. And I'll you know so I might have three or four things rigged up in the front of the boat, but I'll you know I'll kind of have that jig in a minnow. That's where I got my first bite that day, and I just kind of decide that that's the deal. And one thing you said here towards the end, which I think is a big deal that I've adopted only in the last couple of years, is that you throw if you're on a good spot or if you just every spot just just for every spot, plan on throwing more than one thing if not four or five things like that, that is such a, that has been such a big one for me that has caught me so many more fish is like, you know, if I throw that jig and minnow through on a good spot, you know, I'm not, I'm not even talking forward sonar, but I pull up, You know, I spot lock down on the tip of a point where I know there's, you know, some, you know, some some emerging weeds and maybe, you know, kind of a rock to gravel transition, like just a sweet spot, you know, shoreline point, whatever main lake, like everything. The recipe is good and you're just throwing that jig and minnow or you and your partner are throwing jig and minnow um, and, you know, you get those few bites. I mean, everything is going good, like when those casts start drying up when you go 10 11 casts in a row and, and the, the thoughts start turning of like all right we got we got these ones it's time to go to the next spot like I've like I feel like that's the moment where i've I've really had to learn and it's really paid off where I'm not thinking it's time to go until I've thrown three different things through a good spot because it's amazing how many fish like if there's 10 fish, all 10 of them, aren't necessarily going to want the exact same thing, especially after five of them have been caught, you know, when, you know, like, like the other, the last five, they maybe have seen it, you know, I I don't know that they're necessarily learning that they don't want it, or they're not necessarily learning that their buddies ate it, and now they're gone, but I'm just saying, like, they kind of had their chance, and maybe they don't want it as much, but all of a sudden, you know, you throw a paddle tail through there. And you fish, naturally, you fish those baits differently. Not only do they look a little different, but you're fishing them a little differently. And I feel like that's been a huge one for me where I've gotten probably 20% more bites on an average day, especially tough days, but even good days where I've already kind of decided that I've had a good day, but I didn't realize that I left a lot on the table because I didn't throw, make that those last three casts with a jigging rat, or I didn't make those last three casts with. Uh, you know, a paddle tail, um, you know, after bringing, you know, a leech on a slip bobber, you know, catching four like that or catch. I mean, I don't even know if I'm like making sense right now, but definitely what you said, you know, and the, and it's a big it's been a big learning curve with forward sonar. I've spent a lot of time in boats that have it. Um, I do actually have it rigged up in my boat now for this year, and I'm excited to learn more with it. But that has been one of my big learning curves You know, even Minnesota fishing, you know, it's one rod. You don't always do a whole lot of trolling. It's, it's, It's casting whenever you can, but we do that out here in the Dakotas and stuff too. But when you're on a good spot or if you're on fish and you see them on side imaging or whatever it is, If we don't get bit at all, it's easy for us to be like, well, maybe they don't want that, I'll I'll throw this. But when you catch four fish, you just assume, I've always just assumed that, okay, that was it. That was the pattern, that's what I got. Now I caught them, and now it's time to move. Not realizing that there's still five nice fish laying there, and I just got to throw two more things at them. And man, has that picked me up a lot of fish, big time.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you you might think of, people might be like, oh, well, okay, cool, you caught one more fish off that spot. Is that really a big deal? But if you fish 10 spots that day and you pick one extra fish off, that's 10 more it's fish that deal. day. a huge deal. You know, that can make a huge difference. Yeah, it might not seem significant at that one spot, but if you do that consistently, it makes a huge deal. And I did want to talk one other, uh, as you were talking, I thought about one other tactic that I use. I don't use it quite maybe this time of year, but soon as those fish move out a little bit deeper and you can actually get on top of these fish a little bit more without spooking them, one of my 100% confidence baits is just rigging a big minnow. And that's honestly not even rigging as in like you're trolling with it. I will have like a Lindy rig tied up and I'll have a big minnow tied on, um, you know, with a four foot lead or whatever. And I will get right on top of these fish and I will just drop that straight down. Sometimes I don't even let the weight hit the bottom, you know, with my live imaging, you can see that. Um, but I'll just drop it down and it is amazing. I can do that and I can drop a drop shot in a crawler or a slip bobber, or whatever. And they won't even look at it. But as soon as I get a big minnow down there and that starts swimming itself, they won't always bite it, but almost every time they're going to chase around and like kind of dart after it. Um, so that's another thing, especially as you can get on top of these fish a little bit more, I will always have um, a big minnow with, because that is kind of the, the seal of the deal of like, if they're not going to bite, um, and even if they don't bite the jig rap or whatever, if you get a big minnow down in front of their face, there's very few walleyes that are going to be able to at least not give it a sniff.
0: Well, I think that's a big takeaway for me, you know, and definitely something that I am building confidence in and it has made a big difference for me, but yeah, um, dude, I think that's great. I mean, I think we've covered a ton of great stuff and talking about, you know, the, the fishing that you've had so far this year and and breaking it down on some of the lakes that you've had. I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to some of this stuff and definitely, um, there's always a lot to learn with your recommendations, and I appreciate all that, man. So we can wrap it up. We're, I mean, there's a million things that we could continue talking about, but we'll just have to just always schedule one of these regularly enough where we're staying caught up with you. But uh, you that bet. being said, um, man, we can wrap this up, promote your stuff, promote yourself and where people can find you, find your content, reach out if they ever have questions or want to, you know, see about, uh, you know, a, your guide service. Um, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you bet. You know, primarily a lot of what you heard today, I go into a lot more detail in my videos. So if you if you're on YouTube um, and you want to see some of this in action and you want to see kind of exactly how I break some of this down, with you know I I throw a lot of side imaging shots, live scope shots. You know, I break, I show you what it looks like on a map, Um, and it's just gets such a better picture when you can see some of those visuals. Um, And obviously, catching fish is always fun to watch too. But that's uh, if you go on YouTube, TJ's guide service and instagram tj's guide service facebook tj's guide service that's where you're gonna gonna find all of that stuff and feel free to reach out i have people reaching out all the time being whether it's hey i just watched this video and caught a bunch of fish doing this thanks so much like i love those messages or like hey here's my question here's this or live scope stuff or i get people asking all sorts of questions and and i love you know talking to people i love talking fishing so feel free to reach out you know i uh i'm always willing to chat fishing and my take a day or two sometimes, depending on what my guide schedule looks like. Um, But always looking to interact with people. That's one of my favorite things about social media, just the people that you can connect with that you never would have got to otherwise, you know? Um, So feel free, reach out on any of those, Um, go check out the YouTube. And if you're looking for a trip, uh, tjsguideservice.com, or you can, I have all my contact info on there as well, as far as phone number, that kind of stuff, feel free to email, call, text, whatever, whatever, if you're in the area and you want to get out and you want to check out some of this stuff, or, you know, I even started doing a little bit of kind of some electronics, not necessarily seminars, but, you know, where I'll set up people's live scopes or I'll walk them through, or some people say like, hey, I've watched your videos, I just want to hop in the boat with you and you just show me kind of how you do things. Yeah, absolutely, we can make this happen, you know? And so we've created a lot of different packages to be able to do that as well. Um, But yeah, any of those opportunities, Check them out. Be uh, be fun to connect in any sort of way too. I always, uh, never a shortage of talking fishing. That's for sure.
0: Right on, brother. It's perfect, man. I appreciated a bunch, and yeah, man. I'll let you back to it for real this time. I appreciate it, TJ. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thanks a bunch.
0: All right, we'll talk to you. This episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by northeast south dakota's glacial lakes region head to sdglaciallakes.com for all kinds of information on the fishing opportunities in that area link is in the description of this podcast